0: You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Genesis 39. This is the, uh, we'll, we'll read the first part, uh, 1 through 6, which is a really good part of this story. It's like Joseph got sold into slavery. Do you remember that last week? We were talking about Joseph. He got sold into slavery by his own brothers. Not a good day. Uh, Genesis 39. You guys ready to read? or for me to read to you, for you to read along. Uh, we put Bibles on every table, so if you don't have a Bible, you can turn to that, or you can look on the screens. If you don't have a Bible at all, you could steal the Bible that's on your table. It's not stealing. We, I'm giving it to you if you want it. You can have it. I want everybody to have a Bible. Genesis 39, verse 1, says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Why? Because his brother sold him into slavery. Uh, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor and Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became an attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he even entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household and the Egyptian because of Joseph. Pretty sweet, don't you think? The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had, and Joseph in charge, and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Pretty cool dude, don't you think? Joseph? I think he's a really cool dude. I've invited Travis to come up and pray to open our time uh, this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, Lord. We yes, thank God. you for the story of Joseph, Father, and all that we can learn from him, from his character, from his integrity, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge our dependence upon you today to teach us and to guide us into all truth. And we just thank you that, uh, that this will happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I want to tell you a quick story that has a lot to do with uh, the the idea behind what we're talking about today. Joseph, uh, a couple years ago, I was um, in Nepal because I'm a world traveler. No big deal. That's what I do. (laughs) Just kidding. Actually, getting there was quite, it's a whole other story. But me and some buddies moved to Vail to make some sweet cash, work in construction. And uh, instead of like getting an expensive apartment and all three of us living there and making sweet money and then living in a sweet apartment, we decided, let's just live in some tents and in a van down by the river on the national forest. <laughs> and so we did that, and we saved lots of money, and we were able, and then we were able to travel for three months. If you're ever able to do something crazy like that go ahead and do it. It's, it's pretty cool. And so I'm in Nepal. And uh, dur- during these three months, I was working on my master's degree, kind of took a break from that. And, and we traveled all around. It was a really cool time. And I was in Nepal uh, journaling on this little roof balcony restaurant, eating some fresh fruit and drinking some coffee like I do. And I'm journaling and kind of praying, reading through the Bible. And I'm thinking about what am I going to do after this summer? What am I going to do as I finish up my, my year of school and get my master's degree? What in the world am I going to do with my life? Have any of you been thinking about that? It's, 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 a, it's a place that a lot of uh, 20-somethings are in, place of like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What am I going to do? Well, how am I going to get success? And I was praying to God and writing in my journal and thinking, I was almost apologizing to God. God, sorry I'm not being successful and 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 making lots of money and being famous and rich and and really cool. I'm sorry, sorry, I'm not really successful like that. Would you help me make me a success? And I'm I'm praying along those lines. And as I'm sitting up there drinking my coffee, I looked down and saw a street sweeper in Nepal. Now street sweepers. Um, do you did you know where you know where Nepal is by the way? Some of you probably do. It's it's near like China, India, Tibet. Uh, kind of landlocked in the mountains where mount everest is it's a very poor country in fact here's a statistic for you ready all right i won't tell it to you unless you're ready the statistic that that transcends it's the world's population is that one half of the world's population uh three billion people live on less than two dollars a day did you know that not, not a good day to be living uh, on two dollars. I mean, that's like an expensive, nice cup of Starbucks costs two dollars or more, and most people, uh, it's not most, half of the world's population lives on less than two dollars a day. Kind of, kind of. I mean, just kind of opens your eyes a little bit. And so I saw this dude in Nepal. S- sweet street sweeping and he was street sweeping and i was watching him and he's just going to town really like if you have you ever swept have a job where you had a sweep i was a summer hire dude when i was in high school i got this summer job doing landscaping i think they kind of ran out of things to do so you're like joe uh, go go sweep the parking lot <laughs> and so lit- it literally took like a day and a half to sweep like this gigantic like new life-sized parking lot uh, and so i had to sweep and it just it tires you out and it's just like kind of boring and dumb And and here was this guy, though. I'm in Nepal, drinking my coffee, eating my fruit, journaling. I look down and see this guy just going to town, just doing his job. He had probably been sweeping all night from the night... That the night and then sweeps all night, and then uh, in the morning he, he gets done, and then the traffic and everything, the busyness starts. And I, and I had a thought. I was thinking, like, how poor this man must be, how hard he's working, and yet he's, even for Nepali standards, he looked like he was the poorest of the poor. You know, he had a job at least. He's working really hard, but he's definitely poor, the clothes that he was wearing. And I thought to myself, the, the, the Lord is more concerned about faithfulness than he is success. If you're taking notes, that's the main point this morning that I want to get to. The Lord is more, more concerned with faithfulness than he is with success. And that thought came over my head as I'm sitting there thinking, oh, how sad I am. I'm not successful and rich and famous and what am I going to do? Uh, and then I thought... I'm, I'm getting a degree from a great school. I'm, I'm very, extremely rich by the, the, the Nepalese standards of $2 a day. I'm doing, I, I am successful. I, ha, I have friends, and I have email, and I have influence. And I thought, this guy's doing the best he can sweeping. And, and the Lord can be happy with what he's doing. And so how much more can the Lord be happy with, be, be happy with me, a Christian, someone following after God and, and being faithful with where I am and what I'm doing? And that's really the story of Joseph, faithfulness despite his success. Because we're going to read the other half this morning, and it, it's going to look pretty doom and gloom for Joseph. But first, some announcements. Do you want some announcements? Do you Okay. Uh, announcement number one is: if you're brand new, I just want to take a, a second to say that these cards, first timer cards, are at the at the welcome table. There, you can pick one out, put your name on it. If you've been to the mill on Friday night, same exact card. If you felt one of these out, same thing. We don't need it again, uh, but we'll we'll keep you connected with emails and and uh, stuff like that. And in exchange, we'll even give you a CD, just for coming, some songs and a sermon on there. Um, so that's pretty cool. You know, you got a gift. This morning, if you're if you're first timer, um, the other announcement is is next week. Everybody say next week. Next week, next week is a weird week because we are going to cancel the mill Sunday school. Everybody say oh. oh, I know it is sad, and so I want to tell you why we're canceling it. Because the reason, uh, if you're not on our mill leadership team, you might have no idea why what's going on next weekend. But the mill. Uh, which is the College of 20-somethings ministry, of course, has gets a lot of stuff done. I mean, we have a big meeting. Like, even here in the Mill Sunday School that you came in, somebody's welcoming you, there's food here, there's coffee, uh, the, the room's all set up. People do that. There's not little munchkins that come early and do that, but Mill leaders come early and do that. Would you mind raising your hand if you're a Mill leader of any, in any capacity? You guys, are, you guys rock. Um, and so next weekend is the mill leaders retreat, and so we thought we could go up there and, and then have the the mill leaders come back. It's like we, it starts Saturday morning, and we could have all the leaders come back at like midnight on Saturday in order to drive back from the the mountains and be here and do Sunday school. But I thought. You know what's really, what would be really good is if we gave our leaders a Sabbath, a break. That's a, It's an Old Testament way of saying a little break time um, because breaks are really important and recharging is really important. We're going to go up there and get filled uh, with leadership principles and, and read the Bible and get closer to God as leaders so that we can come back and serve because we take service really seriously. And so um, everybody thinks rest is important, right? Rest is really important. You know, one of my... Uh, uh, heroes in in the area of rest is Mr. Brady Boyd, Pastor Brady Boyd. Do you know him? Yeah, he's pretty cool. And, uh, and he talks about rest and how important that is. He he once said, I'm not afraid to cancel things around here if people need rest. <laughs> and I just thought I thought that was really fun, like awesome and funny. Like, I'm not afraid to cancel things. So in the same attitude, I'm not afraid to cancel Sunday school around here if people need rest. And so we're going to, as leaders, we're going to rest. And so if you forget next week, you'll come, and the, there'll be a sign on the door, and you'll be embarrassed. But then you'll just go to the first service, and it'll be OK. And, and the purpose behind that is for our leaders to get a rest, for our leaders to get filled and, and recharged. And I think that's really important. Don't you all think that's important? Yeah, me too. I think it's really good. And so so that's where we're at. All right, if you're taking notes, pull out this thing. It says review uh, somewhere towards the top. Let's get right into the nitty-gritty of the book of Genesis. We take Sunday school topics by the month. And so all this month we're looking at the, the end, at least, of the book of Genesis. And... Uh, And the whole end of the book of Genesis, the last, I believe, 13 chapters are about a dude named Joseph. And so last time we talked about Joseph, we talked about how he was from a dysfunctional family. Remember that? Do you? Some of you do. Uh, Some of you are like, what, what? And we talked about Joseph, how he came from... I mean, I get uh, the best term is a dysfunctional family. His father had a favorite son. His brothers hated him so much that they said, "Let's kill him." And then one of them said, uh, "No, let's just sell him to uh, sell him as a slave." Oh yeah, that's a good idea, huh? No, it's not. It's it's really mean thing to do. A very dysfunctional thing to do. And we talked about the main point of last week's me- message was um, how fa- how God's blessing, how God's grace is upon families god really likes families and how in the end we read for you the end of the book of genesis where the family reunites and they're back together and the miracle that god did through that and and the message was you know, just despite what kind of family you came from, good or bad, that your family in the future and that you can begin making decisions to have, have a family in the future that's, that, that's better than the family you came from and that's good and that's godly. And that was the point of last week. So let's continue reviewing uh, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis was written a long time ago. Joseph is around in like 1900 BC. Is that a long time ago? Everybody say, Yeah. Yeah, duh. That's a really long time ago. It was during the Bronze Age, very primitive life. It's, um, pyramids are being built. You know when Stonehenge was being built around the same time. You know what Stonehenge is, right? Has anybody been there and seen it? I got to see it. Is no one really? I'm the only one. Yes. <laughs> 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 a Stonehenge is pretty cool. It's being built around the same, are being constructed, I guess, uh, around the same time. And um, and so yeah. So Joseph is sold into slavery and goes down to Egypt. Let's talk about Egypt for just a second. Egypt is 95% sand, stone, and desert, while only 5% is a rich agricultural land uh, to which the Nile River flows. Let's throw up that picture of, of, the, of the, uh, Egypt. I got this picture off of Google Earth. Anybody else like Google Earth? Oh, it's so sweet. Uh, there, There's Egypt right there. Now, what, what I want you to take notice of is how, like, everything is, like, dirt brown and, and uh, very dry, obviously, all around Egypt. And then there's that narrow strip of greenish, lush area. That's the Nile. That's where... Uh, that's where, not, so 95% of Egypt is sand and desert, 5% is that little Nile, that's the lush green area, and, and here's the other percentage, don't get them confused, very similar, but 95% of the people live on that 5% land area down Egypt, and the rest of the 5% live in the 95, kind of weird demographics, don't you think? I mean, it's like all these people living right alongside this river, and so it's crowded, it's dirty, uh, This the culture was ancient and primitive, and uh, this is where Joseph was brought. I think there's another picture of the size of Egypt versus some states. Is that on there? Oh, that's pretty sweet. So that's about the size. Some people like to know. How big is Egypt? So it's like that big, and the population was about six million. Um, the, the population of Denver is about half a million, so there's like, Twelve Denvers living alongside that Nile River right there, a very crowded place at, the, at this ancient time, um, a, a place where, uh, let's see, i put up the picture. There's a picture of uh, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. That's what Egyptians look like. <laughs> they dark hair, dark skin. That's what they look like. It's not like blue blue eyes, blonde hair, Joseph with a technicolor dream coat on. Um, <laughs> That's probably more online what they look like, dark skin, dark hair. Um, and so the, I, I say all that to kind of give you a background to Egypt because we're nerds and we need to know background stuff before we get into the to the stories. And so I say that to say that the the Egyptian class system was very different than the class system in the United States. We kind of don't really have a class system. We have like some poor people, we have really really rich people, and then we have people in the middle, which is probably every single one of us. People that are in the lower middle class or upper middle class, and uh that's kind of the class system in the United States. And if you look around the room, everybody, I mean, some person, nobody's in here like going through the trash looking for food, and then you have people that are like millions and millions of dollars. Our our class structure is is, is not like this Rigid thing. I mean, you could in your lifetime you can go from really poor to really rich, can't you? You can. In fact, if if you are, the statistics say that if you're 18 years old, um, and you start putting a, uh, putting away 50 bucks a month, and, and 50 bucks a month for until you retire at the age of 65, just 50 bucks a month, you will be a millionaire. So, if you want to be a millionaire. Figure out, figure out how old you, you should have been when you started putting aside 50 bucks a month. Uh, come up with that money and then start, start setting aside 50 bucks a month and putting that into an account that gets some interest and you will be a millionaire. Anybody else want to be a millionaire? Me too. And that's all you have to do. You can move through. I mean, you can go from the poorest of poor to the richest of riches in your lifetime in the United States. This is America, right? You can do that it's It's possible, only in America can you do that, Some might say. Um, here's some other uh, I guess so I, I say that to say in Egypt, there, there was a rigid class structure. There was the upper class of the uh, ancient Egyptians where the fam the, the royal family, the landowners like Potiphar is or, or a high government official. I guess he was he kind of both a government official and a landowner. Those are the high the, that's the richest class. And then there's the middle class, the traders, uh, people that trade stuff and uh and the people that own shops that's the middle class the lower class field servants uh people that work the fields or servants and then the lowest class was of course the slaves the people that didn't even own their life someone else literally owned another human being and that class structure is not it wasn't really like the class structure in the united states i mean you can if if you're really poor you can get a credit card and start getting it while it's good and get a nice car and nice clothes and you can pretend like you're rich right i mean if you wanted to that's what you could do uh <laughs> and then you'd be in a lot of debt but you could do that and, and live like like you're part of the wealthiest class if you're a slave in the ancient days do you have access to a credit card probably not <laughs> There's no credit cards back then. There's no, the, the the credit system, the type of money that they had was like literally you're exchanging gold or bags of barley or something like that. Credit system, the credit card system just wasn't there. And so, and so. The class structure was much more rigid. And I say that to say that people usually didn't move from one class to another in ancient cultures. It just didn't happen like it happens today. And so what we're going to see from the story of Joseph is literally a miracle taking place. Someone going all the way from being a slave to the end of the book of Genesis. You know what he becomes? He becomes second in line after the Pharaoh. Pretty sweet, don't you think? Everybody say, hello. (laughs) Yeah, that's like the sweetest thing you could ever do. And so Joseph goes to Egypt, and and this story is just an amazing story of success. Yet Joseph remains faithful despite his success. And then we're gonna read about one of Joseph's. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong, but he got in big trouble and they had to go to jail. And that's like talk about hitting a brick wall and not having success, being in an ancient culture's prison. I mean, so, I mean, if you go to prison today, Dostoevsky uh, is that how you say that? I always look at it and I'm like, how do you say that word? Uh, he was a writer, he's a Russian writer. He said that you could judge a civilization based upon how good the prison systems are. And so if you go to some of our prisons, we treat our prisoners. Pretty well. We treat them with respect and humanity, and we treat them really well. In ancient Egyptian culture, if you went to a prison, you'd be lucky if you ate, or you'd be lucky if you had someone that brought you food to the prison, because it's, it was probably likely that the prison wouldn't even feed you. A bad place to go. And despite that, Joseph is faithful. And so I want to get into the story of where he goes, uh, where he gets in a lot of trouble, despite the fact that he didn't do anything wrong. But before that, there's a weird chapter in the book of Genesis. Look at chapter 38. I'm not going to read it for you. I just kind of want you to look at it so that you can read it later. This is a, this is a weird chapter. Last week we joked around that um, it would be cool if we did a, uh, se- <laughs> a month-long Sunday school series called The X-Rated Bible Stories. <laughs> it wouldn't happen because I would get in trouble. I'd just be in Brady Boyd's office and he'd be looking at me. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I thought it would be fun. It's like, Yeah. I guess it was uh anyways this i don't know what i have rabbit trails sometimes in my own little mind um and so uh, the chapter 38 of genesis would definitely fall into the x-rated bible stories for for, for two different reasons i guess uh the main reason is that they're that, that judah and tamar have sleep together which is weird enough as it is but uh, tamar is judah's daughter-in-law and this story kind of finds it's a weird place in the book of Genesis because the, the whole last 13 chapters are about Joseph and then this story kind of goes so Joseph is sold into slavery and then it kind of goes back and says here's the story of Judah one of Joseph's brothers one of the ones that was there when they sold him into slavery and this is the story of Joseph a story of Judah and it begins in verse 38 I will read the first verse verse 38 uh, verse 1 of 38 says at that time Judah left his brothers <clears throat> and went down to stay with a man of Adullam adolum, adolum named Hyra. And there and there he met the daughter of, uh, daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. And so he goes, to, he goes and lives with another person, a man, kind of works under him. Does that kind of parallel the story in Genesis 30, 39 about Joseph? Read Genesis 39 verse 1. Now Joseph had been, been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him, uh, bought him. And so pretty parallel stories, don't you think? I think the the reason why or the kind of a bigger idea of why why God would put um, chapter thirty eight in in the midst of midst of the story of Joseph is to kind of show you a comparison between one one man that faithfully follows God despite successes and failures and one man that that isn 't faithful at all to to God and his ways and what happens just to give you the gist of this x rated story is that uh <laughs> Tamar isn't being taken tamar's husband dies isn't being taken care of by judah uh, and, and so tamar decides i got a great idea i'll dress up like a prostitute and veil my face and sit outside the city and when Ju- Ju- judah comes by um she, she's a prostitute so they obviously d- sleep together that's what that's called um <laughs> <laughs> and then again so so i just got really nervous <laughs> like your sixth grade health teacher or something. Um, <laughs> take a sip of this water. So Judah and Tamar sleep together. And then um, and then Tamar becomes pregnant. And, and a few months uh, later, or I guess a little while later, they say Tamar's pregnant. She's accused of prostitution. What do you think about this, Judah? And Judah says, she's been accused of prostitution. Kill her. Let's take her out into the street and burn her now he didn't know that tamar was the one that he had slept with that she was the prostitute that he had slept with he says he says kill her that that's the punishment for prostitution and then she says well the person that i slept with owns these things and he, and she pulls out these things like the joseph's or uh, judah's seal and cane and stuff and, and judah's like oh wait <laughs> my bad do, do you see how? I mean, how twisted that story? How unfaithful Judah is. He he s- sleeps with a prostitute. The prostitute turns out to be his own daughter-in-law. He says, "Kill the prostitute." Then he finds out that that prostitute is the one that she that he had slept with. And it's just this horrible, dysfunctional, X-rated story right in the middle of the story of Joseph, and, and then Joseph's story is so much better than that. Let's let's get, let's get a little uh let's get into Joseph's story, and let's actually read this. Genesis uh, 39, verse. let's finish on with verse 6. It's, it's a good story in the, in the fact that Joseph is faithful to God, and yet it's a bad story because he's accused of something that he didn't even do and and gets in a lot of trouble for it. And it says this, in the end of verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And all the girls whistled. <laughs> After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Still in the Bronze Age, they're psycho chicks. <laughs> Potiphar's wife, psycho chick. She is. That's that's the that's the definition right there. Uh, but Joseph is a good man. He says, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to me, to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. Then how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I think that I just wanted to pause there and say, How interesting he says my master uh, meaning potiphar has put me in charge of all this stuff potiphar has given me all this confidence in me potiphar has given me everything but you because you're his wife how could i do such a horrible thing against against god and so he says that faithfulness to God is so much more important. Faithfulness to God is number one. And it just seems interesting that he says all this about being faithful to his master Potiphar and then ultimately says, I can't do this thing because it would be a sin against God, his true master. Verse 10 says, and although she spoke to Joseph every day, psycho chick, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Do you see that there? He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He took precautions. He protected himself. He, he didn't even go around her. Um, and, and verse 11 says, One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And that's the picture. We like to put a, a picture on the, the front of the, your, your notes. We call it a skillet. That's what that picture is. Joseph's trying to get away. Psycho Chick's grabbing his cl- cloak. And uh, <laughs> nobody's offended at Psycho Chick, right? Because she is. That's what she is. And so, uh, <laughs> verse 13, is that where I was? Yeah, verse 13. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us, ha- tried to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She's a big, fat liar. Verse 16 says, She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave that you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story of his wife, that she had told him, saying, this is how your trace treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. Does that keep Joseph down? No, let's read the ra- I mean, it key, it's definitely throws him down. I'm, I'm sure there was depression and, and just the horrible anxiety of going to an ancient foreigner's prison because of a crime you didn't even commit but the rest of this the rest of this is is cool he's faithful to god and god is faithful to him and it says but while joseph was there in the prison the lord was with him he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so the warden put joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that there this for all that was done there I mean, it seems kind of weird, don't you think? Like he's he's still a prisoner, and the warden put him in charge. I mean, talk about some serious faith, faith in Joseph that this warden must have had. The warden, verse twenty three, the last one we'll read, said the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Pretty cool, don't you think? And so Joseph is sent to jail um, because Psycho Chick kind of lied and. Uh, and he 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 does he's psycho chick says, "Come to bed with me." he says, "No, I can't do this sin against the Lord. He remains faithful um, despite being tempted and and I think that verse is I think it's just it's just a really cool verse in verse ten ten it says that he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her he he was he was able to to put up a barrier to kind of protect himself against sinning and I, I wanted to say. This morning, I think there's a lot to be said for um, protecting yourself against sin. Almost, I want to say something and then kind of explain it. To not even trust yourself. To not trust yourself with sin. Because none of us, myself included, are not above being tempted from sin. So whatever we can do to protect ourselves from sinning, to not trust ourselves, is a really good thing. Um, I, I, let me give you a stat here. This, this, this kind of frightened me a little bit. I was looking up stats about infidelity, meaning if you're married and you have an affair with someone else who's not your, your marriage partner. The question is, as to Americans uh, in this survey, the question is, is infidelity, infidelity means cheating on your spouse, is infidelity an unavoidable part of marriage life? It's kind of, kind of like two double negatives there. It basically means, is it possible to, to be married happily and not commit adultery do you know what percentage said yeah it's just kind of a part of life it's a part of marriage to commit adultery the the the, the statistic surprised me it said that 26 percent of the people polled said yeah everyone just kind of commits adultery it's a part of marriage it just happens at some point point." 26 percent is that is that surprising to you all it was surprising to me and and sad because the the true answer of course is yes it's avoidable sin is avoidable we need to do things to protect ourselves from from sin I um a couple of years I, I guess it was almost a year ago now I was able to meet with Rick Warren do you know who Rick Warren is he's a really cool dude he wrote the book uh, a primary a, a purpose driven life and then a purpose driven church and then a purpose driven Like everything you can think of, purpose-driven stuff. Um, A really cool dude. I mean, talk about success that this that this man had. Talk about a book. Do you know that this book? Even if you're not a Christian, that you've probably heard of this book because it sold 24 million copies. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for months. And it was a Christian book, and yet I had all these secular awards, and it's overly Christian. I mean, it's, it doesn't like, it's not like one of those books that's kind of Christian. It's extremely Christian, purposing your life around Jesus Christ and what he, and what his plans are for you is the whole point of the book. Um, and so here's this man, successful, really cool, uh, has a church in Southern California called uh, Saddleback Church that I, that I got to go to one time. It's a really cool church, like as big as New Life. written millions uh written a book that that sold millions of copies obviously a man of great success and he was here last year uh speaking at some conference in colorado springs and then his flight got delayed or canceled or something so he was going to spend the night in colorado springs and then take the flight the next flight out in the morning and instead of just like watching a movie in the hotel and taking it easy he he sent an email to somebody in woodman valley chapel that that organized this event and said if you want to have dinner with rick warren if you're a pastor of new life you got this email at like 3 p.m and the dinner was like 5 p.m so very short notice the weather was bad and uh and so i got this email saying if you want to have dinner with rick warren we're gonna have dinner at woodman valley chapel and and cater this dinner and rick warren's gonna be there so of course i was like of course i want to meet rick warren he's so cool he wrote this book called primary i mean you know this book (laughs) called (laughs) purpose-driven life do we have the picture of me with rick warren so there he is, there's me, so cool, I'm so cool. And I thought uh, that this book, The Purpose Driven Life was actually a, a book that he wrote. Uh, he, he, was, he got his doctoral dissertation and he did his doctoral dissertation basically on the ideas and the principles in Purpose Driven Life. And so, some of you might know that I'm working on my doctoral dissertation. Um, and so, I thought maybe, maybe being with Rick Warren, some of that will rub off on me, and my dissertation will sell 24 million copies, and I'll be really cool and successful. <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> my dissertation is struggling. Anyways, uh, so I met with Rick Warren, and and this was this was to kind of. Look into the past a little bit, just for a second. The, last year was uh, around uh, the fall of last year was when Rick Warren came, and it, it was pretty close to the time of of what happened last last year. A lot of you have, were even around through that with with Ted Haggard and and the scandal that happened at at, at the church or because of because of his his scandal as our leader, and um, and so we're sitting around and the, because the the late notice. That Rick Warren gave in the email because the weather. There was really, I think there was only like 20 pastors there in that room, and so we all just kind of formed a little circle and, and we got to introduce ourselves and ask Rick a, a question. He's just very laid back and and a real down to down to earth dude, despite being uh, a, a, a multi millionaire. I mean, if he just got a dollar from every book that he wrote, that's like 24 million, but he, I'm sure he got more, and he's given away lots of money, and he's just a real down to earth man. And he was talking to us and it, we were going around introducing ourselves and the first person to get introduced was one of the pastors from new life and uh and this was right after the the pastor ted scandal came about and he said what's your name And he said my name his name was uh, do you guys know daniel Grothy? he's a really cool guy he's one of the pastors of the, like the new timers first timers that come to new life um he said my name is daniel Grothy. i'm from new life and everybody was just kind of like because <gasps> <laughs> it just happened it was in the news and and rick warren said i want to tell you something as I want to tell you, all you pastors in here something, he said, I want to tell you about protecting yourself from sin. And so, for for almost half an hour, uh, he addressed this idea of protecting yourself from sin. And it goes back to that verse that I read that Joseph refused to go to bed with her, refused to even be around her, um, this 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 woman that that wanted to, to sleep with him. And and Rick Warren began to say that you need to put put in your life protection things against specifically adultery uh, for 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 everyone should put into play if you're married or even if you're not you should put in place things that protect you from from falling into sin and what rick warren said is that specifically here's what i've done you don't have to do the exact same thing Uh, but specifically he said i never ever ever meet with a woman who's not my wife behind closed doors and he said i even even included that into a being in a car with a woman, uh, with a person of the opposite sex in my car who's not my wife, and he said he said something that kind of shocked me at first. He said, "If I'm driving down the road and there's a woman who I know in our church that's stranded on the side of the road, a, a, a tire that's popped," he said, "I'll keep on driving, because of a couple reasons." He said, "I don't want it to look bad." He said, "He's an international. Most people, so a lot of people at least, can recognize him." Um, and he said, I don't want to stop and then and then her get in the car and then we're riding together and it's just me and her. It's people see me with a woman who's not my wife, or just to stop and be with her on the side of the road and all these people are watching, saying, What's what's is that Rick Warren? What's he doing with that woman that's not his wife? He said he said that hasn't happened yet, but he's kind of said that as a as a statement. I was like, Wow, is this woman stranded on the side of the road? You won't even help her? Dude, what kind of purpose driven life is that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, <clears throat> but the point was clear that 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 being alone with a woman that's not your life is, is, is being alone with a woman who's not your wife is his is his line, and and even if a woman is stranded on the side of the road, I mean I'm sure a life or death situation he would he would obviously help, but uh, just stranded on the side of the road that's really in the in the midst of that situation, you might think that's a life or death situation. I got a flat tire. What am I gonna ever do? But uh, in the world of cell phones, Rick said, if I, if I pass a woman that's alone on the side of the road, I'll, I'll call. I'll call. If I know her, I'll call her. I'll call a, a sister or his wife, the, somebody in the area, to, to make sure she's okay. I'll call a tow truck. We all have cell phones. There's no need to, to be alone with that woman who's, who's not my wife. And, and being stranded on the side of the road isn't that big of a deal. Uh, I still – I'm kind of proud of this, but I still have the very first car that I bought when I was 16 – which is impressive to me i'm 29 years old that's a really old car and it's a piece of junk but it's pretty cool that it's like my first car still and so i say that to say that a couple times a year i'll be stranded on the side of the road no big deal i have the tow truck on speed dial <laughs> just call them up and, and get it all worked out um but the point behind that was was rick warren said that that there's a line that that he has in his life that i will, i won't be alone with a woman who's who's not my wife is is an important line for him and I, I me and Erica talked about that line and and we both picked Erica's my wife if you didn't know um, we both picked that as our line too we won't be alone with with a person of the opposite sex either driving in a car or or, or in a room together or at a house together we just won't do that that's a, that's our line and and we'll, we've we've had to say that several times that oh can't give you a ride I I, I kind of made a rule that me and that I don't ride in the car alone with a woman who's not my wife, and it's embarrassing. And they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I didn't know either." Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just embarrassing, and it, you just kind of have to work through that because um, it's it's a little it's 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 a line that that we've just made, and um, and there's other lines that I, that I've made. I meet with guys all the time as as one of the mill pastors. I get to meet with guys and kind of ask them about things. I usually ask them about the three L's: ladies, lust, and Lord. And so, in our conversation at some point I 'll say, "How are you doing with ladies lust and lord uh, that 's my, that's my thing that 's that's how I roll uh, when I meet with dudes and um, kind of pastor them through things and so many guys i 'm sure this isn 't a surprise so many guys in some form or another are struggling with looking at things that they know they shouldn 't be whether it 's on the internet or wherever it is, wherever media it 's at and and i 'll tell them you know i 've put things in my life that protect me from looking at that and, and I've put I have, and all of my computers are um, internet pro uh, program based things that that take a list of all the sites internet sites that I go to and then email that list to an accountability partner and i said I, I, I have that in my life because i don 't trust myself I, there there's a sinful nature inside of me and so i'm so i 'm meeting with this guy saying you know if if i don 't trust myself you shouldn't trust yourself.' Because there's sinful nature inside of every single one of us. And so get those things. There's free ones. And, and we'll talk through that. And I say that just to, to, to overlie this principle that, that, that God cares more about our faithfulness than even what we do. And so the things in our life that can protect us, boundaries that can protect us, I think are really cool. Another boundary that I'll share, just really quick, having to do with dating. I met with this guy just uh, two days ago on Friday, and uh, we were talking. He's, he's, he's dating. I won't say his name. It would embarrass him. Uh, but he's been dating this girl for a month and a half now, and they've come up with a set of boundary, physical boundaries that that they want to hold to, and he actually printed them out, <laughs> printed them out on this little piece of paper here, and gave me one. And he, and he says he has one in his wallet, and she has one. And, and and if people ask about their boundaries, they give them this piece of paper <laughs> that has their boundaries on it. And I just thought that's really cool, and maybe above or beyond like normal uh, having boundaries. Um, but I think that's really cool, and having above and beyond boundaries to protect yourself, to to remain faithful to God is really cool. And th- this list of boundaries, I think it's really cool because what he did, instead of a list of can'ts, what they can't do, he did a list of what they can do. And so this list has things on it like uh, they can hold hands. They can put their arm around each other. They can spend time alone until 9.30 p.m. They can, it just goes through this list of what they can do. And I just thought, that's really cool. That's that's something that I wanna I want to share with others because it's, it's something specific. It's something that they've done for themselves to put in boundaries to say, to say, we don't trust ourselves enough. We don't trust ourselves. We trust ourselves. But we also know that inside of us is temptation. And we're not above that temptation. And we shouldn't just blanketly say, oh, we, we trust ourselves. We'll, we'll be fine. I trust you. You trust me. And I think people get in trouble. Um, affairs happen because a, a lot of times the the spouse just – has a blanket statement that just says oh i trust you oh you were out till how late you were at so and so oh i just trust you and and me and erica talked through this uh actually before we got married and said you know i want you our marriage needs to be built on trust but at the same time um there's these blanket statements that we just trust each other do whatever you want be you know go, go to someone's house be, be alone with somebody oh I just trust you is a too big of a blanket statement and so we told each other we we trust each other our marriage is built on trust but at the same time we're both free to ask each other questions and say you know who who was at this this thing or whatever was it just you and him what what are you doing uh, what are you doing are you, are you just you and her we have the, the, those things haven't really come up yet but we have we have permission to ask each other because of this idea that we don't. We trust each other, but we also know that inside every single one of us is this, sinful, is this sinful nature. And so, one more time, I'll read that verse that just says that Joseph, day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He put precautionary measures, in, boundaries in place to, to be faithful to the Lord. And I think that's, that's really cool. But despite that, despite how good Joseph was, he still got in trouble, right? He went to jail, a bad jail to be in, a foreign jail um a foreign jail foreign people and yet he was still faithful in all of that and i want to ask you a question um just really quick well i, I like discussion in the middle of sunday school we, we try to do it um at least once a sunday um and i think it's kind of important just to instead of just coming here and getting a lesson to kind of communicate with each other and just even if it's really quick just to share a little bit about about who you are and the question i want to ask you is is what brick walls have you hit in your life this this as we read the story of joseph this was obviously a huge brick wall that that joseph hit having to go to prison for something that he didn't even do yet despite that he was still faithful i just i'd I mentioned my dissertation um that i'm working on my phd and working on a dissertation and i kind of hit a brick wall last week when um I'm probably about, I think I'm like 170-something pages working through. There's a hypothesis that you have. The first step is to come up with a hypothesis, then do this study and carry out the study and write about it. And so I did the hypothesis, did the study, carried out the study. I'm like 170-something pages in. I've been sending my paper to my uh, working professor, and he he took a look at it and said, "Joe, you might need to wor- re- kind of work your hypothesis. <laughs> and that means that I need to go back to kind of square one and, and rework the the foundational idea of my paper, and that was a brick wall. <laughs> Can you imagine it was brutal, and so listening to and so I'm trying to tweak things and work through it to maybe not have to do the whole paper over again. That'd be brutal um, <clears throat> but that was a brick wall I hit. And so so we'll just take two minutes and and just kind of throw out some some brick walls that you've hit in your life. They could be funny, or or I give you permission to be a little bit serious. But take like two minutes. You'll have to be kind of quick. If there's like ten of you talking, you'll have to be really quick. Uh, But take just a couple minutes and say, what brick walls have you hit? Ready, get, set, go. All right, friends, have you hit some brick walls in your life? Raise your hand if you've hit some brick walls. There's, I mean even little things can be can throw us off or throw us into rethinking where we're at or, or what we're doing with our life and uh, there's a, there's the brick wall that Joseph hits is is a wall. I mean clearly I can't imagine being in a dark dungeon, prison of the pharaoh in an in a foreign land you've got to be asking yourself why in the world did my brother sell me into slavery why in the world did this did this psycho chick accuse me of adultery and now i'm in prison i mean talk about some major brick walls that joseph hit in his life i mean i haven't had to go to prison my brother uh didn't sell me into slavery or try to kill me i've had a pretty good life compared to joseph and and despite that joseph is still faithful Despite his successes, as as Joseph is doing great things under Potiphar and then under the warden, he's faithful to God. And despite his failures, his brick walls, he's faithful to God. I think I think that's just really, I don't know if I could think of a better word, but just cool. It's just cool how Joseph it remains faithful to God despite his successes, despite his failures. I think there's uh, at the end of Sunday school in just a, a couple minutes here. I want to spend some time praying for Aaron and Josie. And if you don't know, they're Aaron and Josie—Aaron's our, our mill pastor, Josie's his wife. If, if you don't know, they ran a, the new a, a little bit of news and reports about Josie's have has a baby. I think they're almost eight months along, and the, they got reports back and doctors' reports back saying the baby, baby's not doing good, not doing good at all. If, you, if you've heard some of the reports that, that the, that the doctors are saying the baby probably won't make it that if the baby does make it it'll be a very unhealthy baby that it may not make it out of out of the hospital and and for two parents to to hear that i I just can't imagine Um, i just can't imagine i don't have children of my own yet me and erica are talking about waiting to have children and when we when we do i can't imagine being along eight months can you imagine and and having this baby inside of you Naming the baby, the baby's name is Bergen. If you want to pray specifically for the baby, the ba- they've named the baby. It's Bergen, and and talk about a brick wall that that's been hit for that family, the the sterns They have three little boys. It's Aaron and Josie, and and even for us as the Mill, even as me and Erica have been praying for the for the Stern family, we just think, and that's that's a huge brick wall to hit. And, and they didn't do anything wrong. It's just that 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 the, this baby is is. All these reports back saying that the baby not, may not make it, and and they're in a period now of, of just waiting, waiting that these reports have happened, and they're they're waiting to, to have the baby or to to, to to deliver the baby. How and it's, they're just waiting right now. What what's going to happen? Um, and it's a sad place to be. It's a place it's a place that brings us. I think in times in our life when we're successful and and things are going well, and we're making money and rolling in money and seeing. Uh, the fruit of our labors I guess coming back and and things are going good. We can almost get distracted from god and 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 have our eyes on success and and lose possibly potentially lose some faithfulness to God on account of of looking towards success. And I think when these brick walls happen, when we hit these brick walls in our life there's there's so much reflection about where life is going and and are we going to remain faithful to God and look towards God and rely on God in this in this horrible time? And, and I think that's that's part of the reason why sometimes we hit brick walls. C.S. Lewis, I think, says it best. He says that God uses, uh, in, his, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he says he uses pain and sorrow, that God uses pain and sorrow as a megaphone to the earth to almost get our attention, to to, to put our eyes back onto him, to be faithful to Him and, and to get our attention, I think it's, I, th- I think it's a cool, uh, it's a cool idea at least of thinking, th- in the midst of, of something so horrible, to, to say, God, you're right here with me. You have my attention. You have my faithfulness. And I want to read. I want to close Sunday school with reading from uh, this book. I'm sure a lot of you nerd fighters have read it. Um, it's called The Practice of the Presence of God, uh, A Spiritual Secrets of a Humble Brother who's enjoyed closeness with God by a guy named Brother Lawrence. Raise your hand if you've read this book. Just a few. Okay, a few of you, a few of you true nerd fighters have read this book. Um, it's a really good book. The, the story behind the book is, is just as impressive as the book. It's a dude who uh, is a monk in the 1600s. He's uh, what's today is France. He's a, he's a monk uh, in France, <clears throat> and he lived at a monastery and uh he's he's not like the top monk of all monks he's more in charge of the kitchen (laughs) and he's in charge of the kitchen washing dishes and he writes this essay which becomes this book and it's really only this is actually two books in one the book is only that thick so it's a little book that you could probably read in a day or a week if you have time and it's called the practicing the practice of the presence of god and what this 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 man named Brother Lawrence said, as he wrote this essay, is that his service to God doesn't stop when he's in the kitchen making food or washing dishes for all the other uh, monks that he's praying along too. That he's that he that is an act of worship, and I imagine Joseph, that that faithfulness that favor that he had, uh, despite his successes and failures, was somewhat maybe like. Practicing the presence of God, that he remained faithful to God. He re- he kept his eyes on God and was faithful despite these huge ups and downs in his life's life. And here's here, here's the section I wanted to read. It's it's almost a prayer. It's kind of funny, I guess. It's it says, "Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates." <laughs> and then he says this: "The time of business does not with me differ." from the time of prayer did you hear that the time of business the time of taking care of things does not differ with me from the time of prayer I mean in my life I I, I go to the world prayer center I have prayer times and 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 he's saying that that the time of business at the time of, of doing something the time of of us just sitting here right now the time of us uh, walking over to the main building for the, the main church the time of us serving whatever our job is is as much a time of prayer as the time of business and he says this, And in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great, in as great tranquility as I were on my knees at the blessed sacrament. This idea that, that despite being a monk, and not even like a leader monk, just a monk that was in charge of the kitchen, would do his kitchenly duties in prayer, saying that this Duty is as important as my time alone with God, reading the Bible or journaling or doing your devo, as I call mine. That that time of devo is important as, for him, his job was doing the dishes and and prayer through that and faithfulness, doing the dishes. The first story that I I said this morning about the, the man in Nepal, probably working for less than $2 a day, sweeping the streets, doing a really good job going to town sweeping the streets that he could in as much as i could be faithful to god be a success in god's eyes because of our faithfulness and what we are doing even even if it's me preaching at sunday school or even if it's this dude in nepal probably still to this day sweeping the same street for two dollars a day that god can have just as much so that god can look at him and say he's a success because he's faithful to god And I've even that moment when I was in that coffee shop praying, I actually prayed for him. I said, God, would you bring salvation to this man that may not even know who you are because he's in in Nepal where there's so much Hinduism and Buddhism, but bring your your life and your faith to this man that he may know you. And I still pray for him that this random man that I saw, that, 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 that image that God gave me of this man just sweeping and being a success to God, that I could have that success to God because of faithfulness. Let's pray this morning. Why don't we? Uh, well, let's let's stand up, and uh, we don't usually do, do this, but why don't you join hands with with someone around you? I want to I want to pray for specifically for, for Aaron and Josie this morning, and and just this uh, uniting hands and is just kind of a way of showing we're united in prayer about that. So Jesus, we come to you this morning, united. God, as our as our hands are united all over this room. God we say to you we are united and and praying for for the for the Stern family God that you would that you would bring your peace to that family that you would bring your faithfulness to that family that you would God we pray specifically for this baby Bergen it's already been named that's that's in Josie's belly God we pray for life we, we beg of you God that you might bring about a miracle and that's really what's needed Hearing the reports that you can, you, that you are able to bring a miracle, God, that your will be done in this situation, and God, as we pray about being faithful in successes and in failures and after hitting brick walls, God, we pray for an increased faithfulness on the family of Aaron and Josie. That they that they will remain so faithful to you that during this time they will they will turn their eyes to you and to you alone, God. And that this time may even be glorifying to you because of of, of united prayers and because of of a community around Aaron and Josie in this time. And so, Jesus, we we pray specifically for that family. We pray for the son for the three three little boys that 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 they will even. Have a sense of your renewed presence, your renewed faithfulness on their life. And so, God, as we, as we pray for them, wherever they're at right now, God, would they begin to feel your faithfulness? The faithfulness might be able to flow out of them, like the faithfulness that Joseph had to you, Jesus, to the same God in the Old Testament as we're praying to you right now, God, that the story of Joseph is still alive, that we, can, that we can learn from this story about success and failures, and but more importantly, faithfulness despite our successes and failures and and what happens in life. So, God, we look to you right now. We give all glory. We give all praise to you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen.